0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to Iggy's Sports Talk. I I am your host, Jake Iggyzuzki, or Iggy for short, and I greatly appreciate you taking this time to listen to Iggy's Sports Talk. This is your first time listening to this podcast. I not only talk about sports, but I bring on guests to talk about their experiences in life and how they've been able to overcome challenges and relieve their mental health. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whatever audio platform you're using so you get notified for weekly episodes. And also do me a favor and rate and review this podcast so more people can find it. Also, just so you know, if you wanna watch this podcast through video version, go over to the YouTube channel at Iggy's Sports Talk. You can also follow my Instagram. For weekly clips from each episode. Now let's listen in to this week's episode of Iggy Sports Talk. I am here with John Kilmer, who is the co-host of the Y&K podcast and also the right-hand man who films and does a little bit of music production for Mike, formerly known as Mike Stud. So how are we doing today, John?
1: I'm doing good, man. I just realized you got a little Tom Brady sitting beneath you there. Tom absolutely. Brady in the jersey that and the jersey that where he belongs.
0: Oh, one so I believe that Tom <laughs> is going to have this jersey when he retires. Like, there is absolutely no way that he retires in Tampa. I think that he's going to sign like one of those one day contracts and you know, yeah, like ben Paul Pierce did, like, like, right?
1: Then didn't, didn't Paul Pierce sign a one day deal so he could retire as a Celtic? Yeah,
0: yeah. And funny <laughs> enough, he was, I, I believe, I can't remember what shorts, I think he was wearing like Brooklyn Nets shorts. Funny enough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think oh, he's boy. gonna retire in a Beatrice jersey and you know they're just gonna let mac know just allow tom to get like one snap and then that's it
1: oh dude i i would love to be at the stadium for that people are gonna go fucking ape shit fucking oh, ape man. shit now uh, now, now did, is, did roethlisberger officially finish was that a, technically his last game or was it not like 100 percent?
0: so it was his last game in pittsburgh and um he's got one more game of the regular season. I don't believe that they're going to make the playoffs, uh, but I don't know if yeah. you saw it. He sort of did like a roundabout uh, around the, around the stadium, like giving everybody high fives. And uh, I got a little bit okay. choked up with that moment.
1: Yeah. That was his last game at Heinz. And it's funny. Cause I was just in Pittsburgh for new Year's. I wasn't there for uh for Monday night, but I was, I was there and I was kind of talking to people and, man, they, they fucking love Roethlisberger in that city. They love him so much. And you think of the Pittsburgh sports culture, like uh, he's just such a big part of it. And it's, it's it's kind of sad to see uh, a lot of these legendary quarterbacks just kind of hanging up their hats. Now, you know, you see drew Brees leaving now Roethlisberger and uh, you know, God willing, hopefully, uh, Brady's going to stick around for at least another year or two. But, I mean, he's 44 years old. So it's it's kind of sad seeing like, a little piece of our childhoods kind of leaving the NFL. And you have this whole new wave of quarterbacks now.
0: I was thinking the same exact thing yesterday. And um, especially with how, you know, Peyton and Eli do their Monday night football thing. And they, and they were sort of <laughs> reacting to Ben, yeah. uh, you know, having his last game. And funny enough, I was thinking about this when I was watching that telecast. Uh, how unfortunate it was that Peyton didn't have the opportunity to retire in Indianapolis and sort of, you know, give the indie fans the farewell that I believe that you, you should have given them. Uh But yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's, it's weird for me like to see all these people, like just, just retiring. Same thing is happening in baseball. You know, I, this is Dustin Madre right here. One of my favorite <laughs> players growing up and, you know, see, seeing all those types of players just like moving on.
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, especially with uh, the Red Sox. I mean, I, I, uh, Let's talk about my childhood for a second. I was a huge Nomar Garcia Parra fan, probably one of the biggest. Okay. I used to in little league I'd, I'd fucking get up to the plate and I would do his same, you know, thing that he does where he like fixes his, you know, he fixes his gloves and he like fucking taps his feet on the ground a certain way. And uh I would be in Fenway with my fucking I had a sign that said Nomar is God and I'd fucking carry that sign whenever I went to games. Love it. And, uh, yeah, man, when they leave, when they leave your team or leave the league, it, it just feels like a little piece of your childhood goes with it. And it's, it's sad.
0: <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you. Funny enough, I had the opportunity to interview uh former Red Sox player, Shea Hillibrand, And he said, no more. <laughs> his, his, um, and, and he actually talked about, he actually talked about, you know, Colin, Colin, Theo Epstein, what he called him on the radio and all that sort of stuff, which was kind of funny, but he, he said that no more. It has like the same routine, like it, and it's just like muscle memory. And if he doesn't do that, then like he's just not gonna have a good game. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's dude. That's so funny. That's that's incredible. <laughs> I,
0: I thought it was hysterical as well when, when you guys interviewed uh Tyler Wade on YNK a few weeks back, and um, and you you put like the Zoom password Yankees suck. when I heard that, I'm like, hey, John, let's go Yankees <laughs> do suck
1: yeah man i gotta put on for my people but like i I was trying to tell tyler wade too and it's like dude i don't even hate the yankees anymore this was just like a part of my upbringing you know like i i came out of the womb and my you know my parents put a yankee suck shirt on and then uh even to this day like my brother he's a grown-ass adult and he's got a yankee hater hat on and it's it's not even like it's not even a hateful thing it's just literally a part of our culture you know
0: (laughs) that's hysterical i I was, I was like hoping and praying that your guys' friend, Marcus Strongman was going to sign with Boston this past offseason. I I was hoping so bad.
1: I know, dude, we, we were too. And you know, unfortunately there were some, you know, other teams that were had a stronger look on them. Like I I know the angels were looking at him, and then uh, obviously the Cubs, but he's dude, he's so psyched to be in Chicago. I mean, that, like that sports club is just so historic and, those, those fans just champion their players so much. And I think a player like Marcus, uh, really thrives off of that. And I, I think you're going to see a record breaking season for him this year. I think he's going to have an incredible, incredible season with the Cubs.
0: I completely agree. Funny enough. I actually had the opportunity to, uh, I didn't, I, I, I can, I consider this meeting him, but I was, just, I just got an autograph from him. He, he played double a, um, in Manchester, New Hampshire. I had the opportunity to get an autograph wow. from him when he was, uh, when he was pitching um, but it's incredible sort of what he's not only done on the field, but off the field, you know, advocating mm-hmm. for mental health and, you know, helping, helping you guys, um, you know, bring that more to light as well.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not even just mental health, which she does focus on, but we were just with Marcus a few weeks ago. He's uh, he went, he's staying in Malibu or he was staying in Malibu um, a couple of weeks ago. Cause he just ha- he rented a house there and he just had his first child. He just had a son. And he was training out there and I got the opportunity and the privilege to kind of go out with him to Pepperdine University where he was training and just kind of see what his daily routines are and how he takes care of his body on the off season. And my God, this guy trains like a madman in the sense that he like he's doing these exercises and these routines and these stretches and these core workouts that I've never seen any pitcher do in my entire life. And, and this is, and this is a kid who just really takes care of his body. And if he wanted to, he could pitch well into his forties, uh, just with the way he's taking care of himself. And it's, it's just uh, tremendous to have that insider look at, at all of it.
0: Oh, I bet. And funny enough, when you were just explaining that, I got, I got a little bit of a, uh, a flashback from the documentary of, of the highs when, when you guys were in Tampa and um, Mike was playing ball game and he was, he was doing, uh, he was doing his leg kick sort of, uh, sort of to the B and he goes, John, you see that? You see that, John?
1: <laughs> yeah, dude, but dude, this, this kid's like acrobatic. He's like a gymnast. I mean, we, I was, I was just kind of, I have it all on camera and uh, hopefully we can release it one day of just this training process when he was, working out at the Pepperdine gym in, in Malibu. But I mean, he's doing a, he's doing these fucking like handstands where he's just balancing on his hands. And he's like doing these like leg, leg routines while he's on his, while he's on his hands. And there's, there's no pitchers that can do that. And, and, in, in major league baseball, you know, and it's, and he's just taking care of his body so much where, cause the, the motion of throwing is like the most abnormal motion for your human body. It's like, it's very bad for you. So, I mean, just, uh, it's almost like completely necessary to to do a lot of these off season exercises to take care of your arm because of what you put it through. So, I mean, he's, he's doing a tremendous job and uh, I'm so excited for this upcoming season.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I like you said, I, I think he's going to have the best season that he's ever had. And it was also pretty cool this off season to see him get so engaged uh, with fans and uh, you know, mm-hmm. really just go back and forth with guys. And, and, you know, you don't really see a lot of, you see it more now that, um, baseball players are getting into social media, but it's, it's really cool see, seeing players being able to interact with fans like he does.
1: Yeah. And Hey, just a heads up. He already tweeted about it, but uh, we found out that we uh, we have a tour coming up uh, this spring in April and May. And we found out that our show in Chicago is going to be an off day for Marcus. So Marcus is going to be able to be at the concert in Chicago and it is going to be our biggest show ever. Uh, we're going to be playing a 5,000 person venue. We already sold, we probably already sold, I don't know, uh, not half, maybe like a third of it so far. And it's still, we're still four months out. I guarantee it's going to be a sellout. Marcus is going to be there and it's going to be fucking crazy. It's gonna, he's, we're going to blow the fucking doors off. So if you're in Chicago, check out Mike's tour. It's not my first rodeo tour. Marcus Stroman will be there 100%
0: that's yeah it's gonna be amazing I'm, I'm going to boston funny enough uh i, my, I told my friend I'm, I'm like are we going or what and he's, he's like it's not until april why are we buying tickets now <laughs> and uh i'm part i'm part of only steve's and i said to him I'm like well i guarantee you it's, it's going to be sold out tomorrow and boston was sold out the day after and i sent him a mm-hmm. screenshot i'm like see that's that's why we bought the tickets so early
1: <laughs> yeah so I mean, we did. We were so, just to talk about tour for a second. I mean, we, we've been off the road for three years now, uh, mostly because of COVID. And we were supposed to tour all of 2020. We're supposed to tour all of last year, and we just, we just couldn't do it. So, with Mike, you know, he, he just came out with this popular new album, The Highs. We didn't really know what our, our touring was going to be like as far as how many people were going to show up. So, we kind of just picked these venues off of like what we were already doing three years ago not knowing that there was going to be such a higher demand. So, you know, we had 10 shows planned and a lot of the venues sold out uh, in the first couple of days. Uh, You're talking about not small venues. You're talking about venues that are like 1200, 1500 cap and they're selling out in the first couple of days. So, you know, we've been scrambling ever since to either change venues to bigger venues or add like we did in Boston, we added a second night. So we could have two nights and Chicago, for example, was one where it sold out so quickly and, we immediately just changed to a much bigger venue. We went from a venue that was 1,200 people to 5,000 people. So we predict that's going to be a, a very, very big and crazy show.
0: Yeah, I I can't wait. I, I unfortunately haven't had the opportunity to ever go to one of your guys' tours. And, uh, you know, the energy that you guys at least had in the past from the videos that I've seen is, is incredible. But I, I can't even imagine with, with some of his new vibey music, um, you know, I feel like the Vox is just going to be immaculate.
1: Yeah, dude, I agree. I'm, I'm very antsy, uh, t- talking about a part of me being lost. I mean, I, I feel like I, I thrive when I'm on the road. I, it's just a, it's just something I, it's something we've all been doing for the past 10 years. And it's become very much a part of my lifestyle, uh, you know, averaging around 60 to 80 shows a year. Um, and not being able to do that for three years has kind of killed my soul a little bit. So I, I'm really excited to get back out there.
0: Oh, I bet. And, uh, it's, it's, it's really cool to see what you guys have also done as well with, with, you know, your touring life, being able to, you know, not only make it into a YouTube series, but make it into a TV show as well. Um, and every, everything that you guys have done with that, it's, it's, it must be pretty cool to be able to, you know, just document what you do in your life and be able to make it a show.
1: Yeah, that was, I mean, dude, that's my, uh, that's, I don't want to say it's my reason for li- for living but it's like one of the reasons i get up in the day is you know i enjoy documenting what we're doing and, and documenting our lives because uh, i think it's i think it's just great to be able to have that and be able to look back at it and put it into projects like our web series or a tv show or something like that and uh it's just cool it's cool to, to give people especially the fans like that inside look at our lives and what we do uh, I think that's what makes our relationship with our fans really great. And one of the best and our fan bases are one of the most diehard because of that. We give them such an inside look at who we are and what we do at all times. So uh, I'm excited to, to to do that again and get back on the road and start filming again.
0: Yeah, I bet. You, and it was, it was really cool, especially in your guys' most recent documentary that you guys came out with the highs, um, how you guys showed every place that you traveled throughout 2021, you know, Joshua tree, Arizona, Texas, mm-hmm. Montana, Tampa, Hawaii, Utah. and I, I was curious like what was funny one of your favorite places that you guys went to.
1: We we were just talking about this um maybe about a week ago, we were in Boston. We we actually we had floor seats for the Celtics. We were watching uh the Celtics get their ass kicked by the Clippers and you know, we uh, we got a little fucked up that night and we were kind of just talking about the last year and Uh, Just to give people context, yeah, we've, we've probably been in like six or seven different states over the past year, year and a half. And we really honestly can't pick a favorite because every place has been so amazing in its own different way. And just to give an example, I mean, about a year ago, last February, we were living on a hundred acre ranch in Montana, like an hour outside the near city, just completely remote in this beautiful place. And uh, on like the other side of the spectrum, like we were in Nashville for a month and a half and the fucking center on Broadway street where all the bars are, just living in this penthouse above all the bars, just absolutely raging our fucking dicks off like four days of the week. And you uh, there's such opposite ends of the spectrum. And I, I love both of them, honestly. And I think we've kind of realized that not only all these places have given us perspective on the country and a bunch of other shit, but it kind of showed us that it's so important to have balance in your life um whether you you know you have solidarity in a place like Montana or you have like this amazing amazing social scene that we had in Nashville so being able to have that balance and that perspective uh, that that's just kind of been what we've learned over the past year so kind of a long-winded answer didn't really answer it but each place was just kind of special in its own way
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. I I had the opportunity to, uh, it it wasn't as long as your guys' trip. I went on a two week road trip with with some friends. It was during July, um, during Mm -hmm. COVID just to kind of get out. And, um, we, we didn't have social media or anything on our phones uh, for two weeks and um, 12 different States. And it, it was pretty incredible just, just to go outside of our comfort zone, see the, see different perspectives, um, see, see where, you know other people lived as well. Um, unfortunately, uh, I had to be on my phone be- at, during the last day because during the last day I got a notification that Cam Newton signed with the Patriots, and uh, I was like, <laughs> what is going on here? Um, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm like, I need to figure out like what is like, what does this mean? Like he was the first, he was the first quarterback after Brady. Um, but honestly, yeah. your guys' favorite house that I think you guys were in was Montana, and you know the podcast that you guys did with um, Evan Britton were mm. unreal. Um, one of my favorite ones is the one where uh you got you guys are I think in like in like the wine room and you know Mike, Mike and Evan are are just are just sitting at the bar and you know just talking about some, some real shit. And uh one of my favorite quotes that, that Mike said during that podcast is uh you know just rushing to nothing. And one thing that I like really think that you guys do an amazing job of is you know staying present and in the moment.
1: Yeah, that's uh, I mean that's it's unfortunately it's not something we've mastered. I don't I don't know if anyone's ever mastered it, but it's something uh, we've become conscious of over the past couple of years, probably, especially in this type of lifestyle. It's such a fast-paced lifestyle and it's always about, you know, like what bar are we gonna go to, what club we're we gonna go to, what shows are we gonna do, what music are we gonna release. It's like it's it's just constantly it's just constantly always thinking ahead and, and planning like of what's next and what we what 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 we create next or what city we go to next. And it's, it's always a challenge to stay present in those moments. So we've had to become really conscious of that with being present and, you know, we're, we're still working on it, but it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud that it's something we're even thinking about in our lives.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. So something that, that you guys mentioned on the most recent Vying K podcast um, was, you know, Mike, Mike wrote or uh, said a quote out of, out of a book. Uh, and it was, one must not allow the clock in the calendar to blind him to the fact that each moment is a miracle and a mystery. And I got chills right when he said that. And I had, I had to repost it right, right, right when I saw it. Cause it's, it's so true. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but you need to be grateful that like you're here today and everything that you have.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I want to take a step back for a second because you said you didn't use social media for two weeks while you're like traveling around with your friends. What what was that like for you? It's, it's been a while for me since I really like went cold turkey with social media for that long of a time so what what was your experience with that
0: it was uh it like really changed my outlook on um being able to like stay present um sort of like what we talked about before but um i i now don't have notifications on snapchat like i look at snapchat when i want to look at snapchat Um, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get to that place with Instagram, but it's kind of tough um, when I'm trying to grow my personal brand and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was it was a really nice um, way to get away from everything that was going on in the world back in July of 2020. You know, that's when um, a lot of the protests, a lot of the hatred, um, a lot of I I remember just waking up and having so much anxiety and and my chest was so tight um, with everything that was going on. And I remember I just said to my friends, like, let's let's get the hell out of here. And I, I've, I've, been, I've been in Little Amherst, New Hampshire, Little Plymouth, New Hampshire. Um, those are the only two places that I've really been. And um, being able to, you know, we went to, went to Vermont, we went to Ohio. We met this guy in Ohio who was an, uh, an Iran veteran who lived in a tent and was building cabins. And we went to Kentucky. Um, we just went to like all these different places and had all these different experiences. Um, it is something that, you know, now, now with me working like five days a week, um, I I cherish those moments so much more.
1: Yeah, dude. It's funny you bring up the road trip because when I was, uh, when I graduated high school, the summer after I graduated high school, I don't know why my parents let me do this, but my parents let me go on a road trip with three of my really good friends for five weeks around the entire country, we, did, we went wow. to, I mean, not every state, we, we, we didn't do the entire, like every state, but we did like kind of like a loop around the entire country and uh, for five weeks and hey, we were just 18 years old and and social media, I, I mean, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm pretty old, but social media didn't even really exist back then. <laughs> um, I think maybe Facebook was around, but I mean, that was it. And, you know, there were definitely no, you know, cell phones where you could access social media that didn't exist yet. So I'm grateful that a, my parents let me do that. And then B social media or like cell phones weren't really at the point yet where I could be present in that moment where I was traveling around to all these places. Cause I felt like I was extremely present during that time. And during those long drives, I wasn't you know, I didn't have my head buried in a cell phone, looking at Instagram and Twitter. I had my, I had like, we had the music on and we were having a good time. We were looking out the window and seeing the entire country. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And that was, a, uh, I I mean, I mean, you can attest to this cause you did it. It's just kind of, it's kind of life-changing stuff.
0: 1000% something that, um, I'm really grateful that we did in the moment, but next time we do our next road trip, um, I would like it to be a little bit more planned, but, uh, we honestly didn't have anything planned. And that's the one thing that made my mom really nervous. She's like, "So what are you gonna do on the second? <laughs> what are you gonna do on the third day?" I'm like, "I don't know. We're gonna figure it out." And the thing is, is that it made it a little bit stressful each day because, like, by like five o'clock, we needed to figure out where we were going to sleep, how we were going to get our food. Um, so then we didn't really have to, you know, obviously uh, sleep in sleep in my friend's truck. Uh, but it, it was it was something where I had to do a little bit convincing. Like I bet you had to with my mom and. I sort of said to her, "I'm like, you know, quite honestly, like I'm, I'm 21 years old. I could honestly get in my car right now and drive to California. <laughs> I will do that, but I could do
1: that. Yeah. I mean, dude, we were only 18. So we were, I, I remember we had to put together like a travel itinerary just to make our parents like feel more at ease about it. So we had like this, uh like this book report of like a map and where we're going each day and, and all this and. Yeah, I think we were just too young to kind of do it um, on the fly the way you did it. I think we were just too young and stupid and we probably would have killed ourselves if we, <laughs> if we did it that way. But uh, it, it was crazy, man. And funny enough, dude, I, uh, we brought a camera with us when we went on it. So like, I remember, I remember like we filmed the entire trip that we did. And this was, this was like 2006. This was a long time ago before cameras were even like that accessible. We were filming on this crappy little camera And we actually made like a little documentary about our five week trip that I still have to this day. And it's, it's just kind of fun. It's kind of funny to see how my life has kind of, you know, transpired and, and it's kind of uh, not, not much has really changed. I'm kind of still doing the same shit. It's just kind of funny to see myself doing that at a young age and still doing it to this day.
0: Yeah. 100%. It it must be pretty cool being able to, you know, every few months be in a new house, be in a new environment, um, especially with, when you guys uh, we're in Los Angeles for five some odd years with, with, you know, obviously the opportunity out there is incredible, but all I've mm-hmm. heard about that place is, is that, uh, you know, there's a lot of fake people as well as that. Mm-hmm. There's just so much pressure that you have to live up to these expectations in LA and, you know, being able to, for you guys to, you know, be able to travel and enjoy where you're at and meet new people, must've been pretty incredible throughout this last year.
1: Yeah. We're, I mean, we're, we're kind of outliers in the music industry in the sense that we are 100 million percent independent. Like when I say hundred percent independent, I mean like 100 fucking percent independent. We have a, a very, very tight new tight knit group of people that make all the decisions. Mike's one of them. And, uh, you know, my, all, all like the decisions kind of start and end with Mike because he gets final say on what happens in his career, which unfortunately is not the norm in the music industry. And, because of that, uh, we are free to do whatever we want and go wherever we want, put out music whenever we want, make a podcast whenever we want and uh, it's we're not really tied down to anything so it's given us the opportunity to that's what's given us the opportunity to travel around and I mean our business has flourished. Mike's music career has flourished in the past year and a half since we left Los Angeles and I think a lot of that has to do with us getting the hell out of Los Angeles.
0: Yeah, 100, and that's that's something that you know you get you guys really need to give yourself a pat on the back for everything that you've done, um, you know, over like the last like two or three years. Because um, some something like I I anytime I talk about um, your guys's group and you know what Mike has done with with not only like only Steve's with with even what you guys did with you know the pre order uh, promotion of. You know get getting people to pre-order and I believe it was like 25% off you know like merch you got like a free month of like only Steve's you got like exclusive um exclusive place for like tours and you know it just helped you guys not only just because Mike's music was so good but be able to get up to number one and be able to get that recognition that you guys deserve.
1: Yeah no I appreciate it man it's a lot of people a lot of people don't really know like how the music industry stuff works behind the scenes but uh, even in the past couple weeks, man. I mean, I don't know if you saw that big banner of, of Mike's new song on, in times square on, uh, yeah, I, I think was it was, incredible. I think, I think it was New Year's Eve. I think it was New Year's Eve in times square, which is insane. And it was, it was the biggest banner in all of times square It was a big fucking picture of Mike's stupid face. And, and <laughs> uh, and like, dude, it's like that type of shit doesn't happen to independent artists. Like, I'm, maybe it's happened a handful of times ever, you know, it's, it's the big, it's the big, like, record labels that kind of control stuff like that and, and and get that type of stuff to happen and even like the like mike's new song getting on new music friday which is the biggest playlist on spotify a lot of people don't know that a lot of those out of those 100 spots on that playlist that updates every friday like probably 90 of them are dedicated to record label artists like they're dedicated to so like you're, you're only talking about a handful of spots that are really given to people that aren't a part of this big music machine and you know we get to see it so when it happens to us like we really take it in and it's like we're really thankful and it's just really special to see that happening right now because dude it's been we've been at this for 10 years it's been a long road and we're just starting to kind of see these things unfold and it's really special
0: that that's something that i was just going to say for all the people that are listening that think that this success was just instant if you guys have been doing it for 10 years you know you guys have it's so cool how you guys have built such a grassroots fandom and you, you brought it up in the documentary about how you, even like early on, it was, it was just kind of, you know, a campaign in every single small town being, being, once you guys left, you, you felt like you, you were able to meet all these new people, connect with all these new people, get all these new fans. Um, and as somebody who's sort of been with it since the start, um, how cool of an experience has it been to sort of see this grassroots sort of fandom grow into as big as it is today?
1: Yeah, it's dude, it's insane. It's a fucking trip because uh, yeah, obviously you know Mike's the musician, he's the star, but it's you know we're we're a group that has been together literally since day one. You know, almost everyone that we work with has been together since day one. So he's not the only one that's really you know uh, getting the fruits of the labor. Like we're all getting the fruits of the labor because you know we've seen where it started and we know where it's at now, and we kind of all you know built the foundation to get that giant house built which is you know his success where it's at now so it's uh it's incredible and and like i said before i i've been able to film it all this entire time and that's even fucking cooler because you know you have you have stuff like uh touring's boring uh web series or like our tv show or like that documentary we just put out um life got crazy and we we have it all documented and it, it's it's fucking sick it's so cool
0: I, I bet like especially when you document all these things you know you're thinking back, uh, or you're thinking a little before, like when when my kids see this, when my grandkids see this. I mean, obviously, we <laughs> won't show them some stuff, but like you're thinking, like they'll find it pretty cool, you know, once they grow up and understand everything that we did, um you know, how cool my life was, and you know, will be in the future.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little impartial to my kids or grandkids seeing. <laughs> all of my imprint on the internet, but, <laughs> but, uh, I'm sure they're going to go down a rabbit hole and find some stuff that, uh, <laughs> might make them want to vomit, but it's, Hey, it is what it is. A uh, funny, funny, uh, story about that is when our TV show came out in 2016, I, I remember just being so proud about it. And, uh, my, you know, my parents were so proud that, you know, I was like a creator, a creator and uh, a star of this, of this television show. And I remember we were, uh, it was, it was during the summer and we were my, me and my parents were like sitting around the TV. We're just like so excited for our our TV show to air on television for the first time. And dude, like three or four minutes into the first episode, I'm in like the back of the, our tour bus with some chick like asking her to spank my butt and like hooking up with her and stuff. And I'm sitting there and my parents beside me. And I'm like, Oh fuck, what have I done?
0: (laughs) But dude, sure enough,
1: they were still they were still proud of me, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah,
0: I bet they are, man. I, I mean, especially just you know jumping in a little bit to to your journey. I, I mean, I mean, you went to Hofstra University. I mean, growing up in Little Braintree, Massachusetts, it's pretty incredible. Especially what you were able to do early on in your career. You know, at 23 years old, being able to go on tour and document Kendrick Lamar and Steve Aoki's <laughs> tour as, as well as like. Be able to make a music video with, with now, you know, one of the biggest artists in America right now, uh, Arizona Zervas, And especially, you know, what mm-hmm. you've done, um, over the last 10 years with Mike, they, they must, they must be super proud of how far you've come.
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to, again, being present, it's hard for me to step back and take a look at it like that. Cause I'm, I'm always thinking, you know, what, what's ahead and what's next and how I can, you know, continue to grow myself personally. And, uh, it's, it's um it is great it is great when i take a step back and kind of reflect on that cuz it's it's uh it's it's truly a blessing and it's a testament to kind of my work ethic when i was younger i was you know i was I say the story all the time i was living in new york city right out of college with no job and um you know i had to just work my ass off to figure out how i was going to make my rent every month you know even though it was kind of like this crappy little apartment i had to figure out how i was going to make my rent every month and that kind of burned fire under my ass to get out there and do as much work as possible and work with as many people as possible. And if that weren't the case, you know, I probably would never have contacted Mike and worked with him and I wouldn't be here today. So um, I give myself a little credit in the sense that I, I took a leap and I took a jump and I didn't play it safe or move back with my parents. I took a, I took a jump and I, I, just, I just went for it.
0: Yeah. 1,000%. You know, everything happens for a reason. That's, that's one of my favorite quotes. And there's something that I really tried to look at, especially at the end of 2021 is um, you know, where were you on January 1st and you know, where are you today? Um, And you know, it's so easy for us to, you know, beat ourselves up. And that's something that I've tried to work on is taking a step back to be proud of myself. You know, we're we're always so focused on what's next, what are we doing tomorrow? You know, what is going to happen in six months or so, but like, what have you done? How far have you come? And um, you know, your, your podcast, um, you know, has, has helped me learn so much about not only myself, but, um, you know, how to, how, you know, how to change my perspective as well. You know, uh, being grateful for like what I have, something some that you guys brought up in your most recent Y&K episode is you, know, you were in Malibu and, you know, there was all these people who were like so frustrated and, and were rushing to, to get somewhere. And so when I had David Meltzer on, I said to him, I said, uh, anytime I'm at a stoplight, I'm thinking in my mind, like I need to get somewhere. These people better hurry up, but like I need to take <laughs> a step back. Like, I'm I need to be grateful that I have a car. <laughs> you know, I need to be <laughs> grateful that I'm alive today. Like I have enough money to be able to like go wherever I'm going. And um, you know, it's sometimes it's so difficult to take a step back and be grateful for how far you've come and what you're grateful for.
1: Yeah, dude. I mean, speaking back to this being stuck at a stoplight, I mean, just to just to be fair, uh I, I may, I'm mainly grateful because. I don't really, I don't really have to rush to anything because that's just the way I set my life up. You know, like I, I'm, I'm a freelancer. I work with Mike, but at the end of the day, like I'm a freelance entrepreneur and I I can kind of beat, I can, I can work to the beat of my own drum. So like I, whenever I'm like, I'm never really in a rush to anything. I don't have a family. I'm not married. I don't have kids. And I understand that a lot of people's lives aren't that relaxed. So I understand why they can get frustrated when they're stuck at a stoplight. So I'm not trying to like sit here and bash on those people. Um, but at the end of the day, I just thought it was funny being in Malibu with people like, cause it's the most beautiful fucking place on earth, man. Like you're on the Pacific coast highway and there's all these wonderful restaurants and it's right on the beach. And there's these wonderful mountains and the most beautiful sunsets. And if you're in Malibu, there's more or less, you're probably rich. You're probably very well off. So, uh, you know, you have these people in these like Mercedes, like honking their horns, like get the fuck out of the way. I'm like, all right, like maybe chill the fuck out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know, I know exactly what you're saying. And, um, you know, some, sometimes for those people, um, who, you know, have all that money, they, they forget like where they grew up. They, they forget, they forget, you know, what, what other people have, um, and especially like what we were talking about with that road trip, um, you know, I, I, w- I would drive by people and the houses would be on the side of the road or, you know, they would be in like a camper. I'm just like trying to put myself in like their perspective and realize, you know, how much better I might have it potentially than them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and Yeah. Again, yeah. When you go on a road trip and you travel around even in different countries, you start to see that, you know, maybe your life isn't so bad. And <laughs> I, dude, I, when I was, this was probably five years ago. I went on a trip to I went all the way to China with my brother and my dad for 3 weeks. My dad's a psycho, he loves to travel and he thought it'd be a good idea to go on a road trip across the entire country of China, which I mean like who the fuck would ever want to do that? <laughs> but uh a lot of people don't realize China is like all of it is like a desert more or less. Like you see the big cities, but those are all along the coast. The middle of China is just one big fucking desert for whatever reason. My dad wanted to take a road trip, like through the fucking middle of China, through the desert. I was like, all right, whatever, three weeks, this is going to be the most wild three weeks ever, but you don't realize the people in China, they don't have a lot of the basic freedoms that we have over here in America. And especially with law enforcement, I mean, cops over there, they can, they can go into your apartment at any time they want without a warrant. They can just come right inside. They can take your phone out of your hand. In, in China, a lot of the apps, the social media apps are outlawed. You can't have Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. You can't have any of that shit. And at any moment's notice, a cop can just take your phone out of your hand, look at your apps. And if you have you know, an app that you're not supposed to have, they can rent you a ticket or confiscate it. And when you're on the highways in China every like you know, 40 or 50 miles there's a checkpoint and they you know your car stops and they can go through your car if they want at any moment's notice. It's not a border of a different country. It's, it's literally within their own fucking country. They can just, you stop at a checkpoint, they can go through all your shit whenever they want. So, you know, people complain about a lot of the law enforcement and stuff going on here. And I agree it's flat, but dude, if you've been to China, it's it's a lot better than over there. So, you know, I, that type stuff like that gives me perspective on like, all right, maybe it's not so bad.
0: Yeah, 100%. I've, I've always heard that, you know, China has like their own type of Google, but they control what you see. Um, and that's yes. kind of like what you're talking about. Um, you also had a pretty interesting um, travel story that I heard recently going to Canada. Um, and <laughs> when, when I, I heard this I'm story, I, I almost, I, I honestly was, I was drinking something. I almost like spit out my drink because I was laughing so hard. Um, but you, you had an interesting situation going, going through customs, uh, going through Canada. Um, if you want to tell that story a little bit.
1: Oh, Christ. Well, you picked an interesting one. (laughs) Uh, For the people at home, when we go on tour, I mean, we try to to go to Canada as much as possible. We try to hit, you know, we've only been to Toronto and Vancouver, I believe. One's on the West Coast, one's on the East Coast. But whenever we go through the border, for whatever reason, uh, our group of ragtags don't necessarily uh, (laughs) get across the border too easily because, I mean, uh, already we're on a tour bus and we're just a group of like guys the way, looking the way we look. So, uh, <laughs> it's always, it's always a red flag where, you know, they see a tour bus, a music tour bus, and they, they automatically want to go through all our stuff. So it's, it's always been a five hour plus situation whenever we go across a border and our bus always gets ripped apart. We have to sit in the fucking border patrol office for five hours at the very least, usually hung over his balls while our tour bus just gets ripped apart for them to find anything they can hold over our heads. (laughs) And you know, in the past, it's been like a speck of weed, like this much, or the last time, uh, story in question that you brought up, they found a bunch of CBD gummies, which like apparently in Canada, it was like against the law at that time. You couldn't have CBD gummies, which we, you know, it's outrageous. Yeah. It's, uh, it's outrageous. So since they found the CBD gummies this last time and our last tour in 2019, uh, they decided to get the canine unit to start sniffing all of us in, in the border patrol office. So this um, German shepherd comes by behind each and every one of us, one at a time. And when the German shepherd would sit down, that would mean that it'd be alerting the officers that that person had narcotics on them. So the the, the dog's sniffing everyone. The dog sits behind my friend, uh, my friend Foley and the dog comes behind me and sits behind me. And we're the only two people that get, yeah you know, and, Meanwhile, I got fucking nothing on me. I got absolutely nothing on me. So long story short, I get uh, the two officers, the French Canadian officers, they have French accents. That's important to note. They bring me to this back room in the the border patrol office, this very like cold, dark room with tiles and no windows. And they explained to me that, uh, you know, one at a time, I'm going to have to take off an article of my clothing and hand it to them so they can check it for narcotics. So I'm like, all right, whatever, big deal. They're just going to check my clothes. So one at a time, I hand them a piece of my clothing. They're like, okay, can you please, you know, hand us your shirt, take off my shirt, hand them my shirt. They go, all right, hand hand me your pants. They take off my pants, hand them my pants. Now I'm just down to my bare underwear. And I kind of know where it was going to head. Finally, they asked for my underwear and I'm like, okay, Um, you know, mind you, I've been on tour, probably haven't showered in three days, probably have skid marks all down the center of my underwear. (laughs) <laughs> Still, I take them off and I hand I hand them to the officer and I you know I, I cut my package so my, my wiener's not hanging out and I hand them the 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 poopy underwear and they run their hands through the the shit sand underwear and I'm thinking this is it I mean wh- you know what else could there be I'm just standing there naked <laughs> in this cold dark room with two French Canadian guys and then they said something to me that I've never heard anyone say to me ever in my entire life or since he said all right now lift your sack. <laughs> <laughs> thinking that I was hiding narcotics under my fucking scrotum. <laughs> so, so I, I, I say, I, I like, I start laughing and I feel bad that I'm laughing because this is their job. And I, I want, I don't want them to think I'm not taking it seriously, but I've never heard and mind you it's in a French accent telling me to lift my sack. So I left my sack <laughs> and they have a, they have a you know, flashlight and they're looking under my sack, no drugs. Now I'm thinking this has to be it, but but then they continue it a step further. They say, all right, face the wall, bend over and spread your cheeks. <laughs> and I'm like, oh boy, now I, this is coming from someone. I mean, I hope this is universal for everyone, but I I've never seen my own asshole. I don't think anyone's seen their own asshole, nor should they. I just assume that if you see your own asshole, you're just going to turn into stone or something. So I, this probably, I could probably count on one hand, the amount of people in my entire life that seen my asshole. So I, 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 turn around to the corner and bend over. And like they ask, I spread my cheeks and they take a flashlight and they, they look around. They asked me to cough a few times so I cough. <coughs> sure enough, there's no fucking drugs at my asshole either. So <laughs> that was, uh, that was the first time I ever got anal cavity searched. And sure enough, we got across the border and we put on a hell of a show
0: that's hysterical yeah when i first heard that story i I just thought of myself in that same situation i i would have been so uncomfortable i would would have been like are you serious right now
1: (laughs) yeah it's like you want to you want to tell them to go fuck themselves but also it's like you have all these fans that are depending on you to put a show on and you don't want to fuck it up by you know the border patrol telling you to just pack your bags and get the fuck out of there which has been the case before we've we've literally been turned away at the border which is like Catastrophic, man. You have to tell all the fans that we just couldn't get across the border, which is so shitty for something as stupid like just having a speck of weed on your bus, you know? So I'm glad we made it across that time. And, you know, hopefully going forward in the future, we don't run into those problems ever again.
0: Yeah, I definitely hope not. But lastly, I just want to talk to you a little about. About some of the amazing people you've had on you know, the YNK podcast. One of them was uh, Larry King, and you know he talked about in the uh, Life Got Crazy documentary that you know one day you're chugging a beer with a leaf blower, which you know I think he did a pretty <laughs> good job in that video. Yep. Um, and then and then the Thank next you. day uh, you're producing a podcast with Larry King, which I believe was one of his last interviews that he ever did.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it was man. And you know, for those at home that are younger and maybe not know Larry King that well he's probably interviewed more people than anyone. I think he's had over like 50,000 interviews in his lifetime. He's a, he was a radio personality and he had his own show, Larry King live. And he just made a whole career out of interviewing people. And he was one of the best to ever do it. And, uh, you know, we were lucky enough to have him, on the podcast, uh, it was just kind of one of those amazing things where his, his youngest sons, are, are fans of Mike. It just turns out that his youngest sons were really big fans of Mike. And they, uh, They talked to Larry, and sure enough, he was happy to come on our show. And this was a time when Larry was, uh, from a health standpoint, not doing too great. He was down to a wheelchair, so you know he he wheeled right into our house, right into our living room, and you know we had everything set up, and he graced us with the 45 minutes of this amazing interview with with really amazing tidbits and knowledge. A guy like that who's talked to you know over 50,000 people in interviews you think would have probably more perspective than anyone on earth. And I was just kind of taking notes the whole time and it was kind of surreal. And, you know, it's the lives that we live. I mean, we're kind of bozos, but at the end of the day, you know, we, we, we have balance and we do kind of, you know, really serious and honest work as well on top of the tomfoolery. So, uh, that was one of those moments where, you know, I was like, holy fuck, like I'm producing an interview for one of the greatest, you know, personalities of all time. So it was, dude, it was, it was, it was incredible.
0: I bet. Yeah. It was, it was such a good episode too. And for anybody that's listening and watching right now, go, definitely go and check out that episode of K podcast, Larry King. Cause um, I mean, the, the quote that Mike decided to use in catalog cabin, which is one of my favorite songs, it just puts such good perspective of, you know, just keep going no matter what, always keep your head up. No, no matter what's going on. And um, you're right. He had such good t- tidbits uh, throughout that episode.
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's uh it was really sad to hear his passing. It's uh Yeah, it was just really sad because he, I mean, if you, if you watch the interview, he kind of, he, we, I think Mike asked him, you know, would you ever want to live forever? And Larry was like, yeah, yeah. I would want to live forever (laughs) a hundred percent because he, he just made a whole living out of, you know, meeting people and interviewing them. And that was his passion and talk about, you know, putting your head down and keep going. I mean, he did it. I'm going to butcher this, but you know, he probably did it for like 50 to 60 years of just being on the radio or inter- interviewing people and um talk about you know putting your head down and keep going i mean he's he's kind of the <laughs> he's kind of the poster child of it
0: yeah one thousand percent yeah he's somebody that um you know he, even even though like when he was in his prime um i, I, I wasn't even alive but he's somebody that i look up to because I, I i have such a passion of hearing people's experiences whether whether it's you know, with your anal cavity or even with with you throughout um your time <laughs> being with mike um it's been pretty incredible to hear your story. And um, one of the last questions that I like to ask all my guests um, is what advice would you give to your younger self?
1: Yeah, we've actually, we've, uh, we've answered this question on, a, on a, a podcast a long time ago. One of the, I, we had a fan that asked that question. And my first response was to wear more condoms, which <laughs> uh, would have would, gotten me out of a lot of, a lot of debacles over the years, but I probably wouldn't have listened to my older self if, and my older self told me to wear more condoms. I would have just probably told myself to go fuck off. But, uh, <laughs> um, no, l- let me think. Cause that's a, that is a really, really great question. And, uh, I think with that question, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of disguised as, you know, do you have any regrets or have you like learned anything over the years that you wish you could share with yourself? And, you know, those first five years out of college, uh, I was living in New York City. And New York City is kind of one of those places that, you know, they call it the city that never sleeps because it's it's very fucking go, go, go. And uh, everyone's always going somewhere. And, you know, if you're walking through the streets in the morning or, you know, at four or five in the afternoon when people are either going to work or leaving work, everyone's always going somewhere. Everyone's always in a rush to somewhere. And that's probably the the least present city in America, if I had to guess is New York city, maybe the world. And I can't say I was very present in those times. And I was, I was very, you know, there was a time where I was very stressed out all the time because I had, I was working for myself and I, you know, my success or my demise kind of started and ended with how much effort I was putting out there. And I was, I was pretty hard on myself at those times. And um, if I could go back, I would just say, you know, what, like, things are going to work out as they should. And you don't have to be stressed out about the outcome and just enjoy the process as you're doing it. And I, you know, I I think back then I kind of was enjoying the process, but I wasn't conscious of the fact that I was enjoying the process. So that's probably like the little, uh, hack that I would tell myself back then.
0: I think that's such a huge lesson as well. Um, I, I had a similar situation when I just graduated college. Um, and it, it, it was difficult for me not to compare myself to where other people were at that I graduated with and that were in my same like major, um, you know, department. And, uh, you know, I, I, that's just the mindset that I tried to have. you know, it's all going to work out exactly how it's supposed to go. You know, the dots are going to connect and, you know, whatever, you know, bad situation I'm in right now, or, or what, what I think is a bad situation, um, it's happening for a reason so I can learn from the future.
1: Yeah, man, and and I, just advice in general that I give anyone, and I've said it a million times, but people are so caught up with the outcome of things. They're so caught up with the accolades of, you know, like I'm starting a podcast. Why do you want to start a podcast? Well, I want it to be, you know, the biggest podcast in the world, or I want to have a hundred thousand listeners, or I want to, you know, one day be able to support myself off of doing a podcast, and that, you know, that drives them to work hard at it. And that's great. You know, that's, that's fine. Whatever drives you, I say, go for it. But at the end of the day, like you have to, you have to fall in love with the process. And if you fall in love with the process, you start to forget about, you know, those accolades and, you know, those end goals. And you start to just kind of enjoy doing it and it becomes a part of your life. And if you don't do it, you start to feel a little empty inside. That's why I mentioned not being on tour for three years. I feel a little empty inside because that was something, you know, I've really enjoyed over the years. And, I didn't really care about the outcome, you know, whether we were doing 200 person shows or 3000 person shows, I, I didn't care. I just, I was just happy to be there. It's happy to be with the fans and it was just a part of my life. And I loved the process. And I think that's how you have to attack anything, whatever you do, whether it's, you know, you and your podcast or anyone out there with, you know, any, anything they want to accomplish, just, just be happy with the process of doing it and fall in love with it and uh, just be happy doing it.
0: I completely agree. And, and that's something that I've tried to, you know, remind myself a lot with, with this podcast is you know the reason I started doing it is because you know we, we all have a voice. And when I'm somebody here sitting in front of a microphone, how is my voice gonna potentially impact other people? How is it gonna potentially help influence other people to you know be them better selves? And you know, having people like yourself on and other guests I've had on, um, my main goal is to help others, you know, walk away from that, you know being a little bit more inspired to be better themselves and learn more about themselves and learn how to overcome challenges as well. And um, the one thing that I've tried to focus on a lot, especially the last few months, is like, what's going to be your legacy at the end of all this? Like, what are people going to remember you guys? And, you know, anytime I say that around my friends, like, ah, it's deep. And I'm like, well, it's kind of the reality. And you kind of got to think about that. So like there is no regrets at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. We talk about legacy a lot uh, on this podcast and, Mike has a strong opinion that legacy is kind of, uh, ego driven, you know, it's kind of like a little not selfish, but it's ego driven in the sense that, uh, you know, once you're dead, I mean, hate to break it to you, but when you're dead, you're dead, you know, and a hundred years from a hundred years from you dying, no one's not many people are going to remember you Uh, even, I mean, even your family, like I can't tell you anything about my great, great grandparents. Like I, I, you know, from a hundred years ago, I, I can't tell you their names, can't tell you anything about their lives. And if your own family's not gonna remember you, like sure enough, like no matter how big you were, there's not gonna be a lot of people that remember you. If you think about the entertainment industry, like stars and the entertainment industry in the 1920s, I I, I probably couldn't tell you one actor or musician from the 1920s. Uh, so with that being said, you know, legacy, I get it. I get why people want to leave a legacy, but even that legacy is gonna burn out after a while. So it really it really shouldn't even be a thought that crosses your mind, you know? I think if you just wake up every day and, and you want to be a good person and you inspire people or you leave a positive impact to those around you, that should be your legacy. That's it.
0: I completely agree. Couldn't agree more, John. And um, just one last thing before I let you go is uh, I, w- I was wondering for the tour, uh, if you guys were thinking about doing a, uh, a meeting group because like w- one of my one of my goals um 2022 was, was to meet mm-hmm. yourself. Um, and to also meet Mike, because you guys have had such an influence on my life.
1: Yeah, we're we're kind of in a, a pickle right now because of COVID restrictions and the rise of the rise of Omicron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we like it's, you know, we want to do them and we're kind of just, you know, luckily we have, you know, four months to kind of feel it out. But we run a big risk with with meet and greets because the more people that, you know, Mike, Mike especially is exposed to the bigger risk he runs of getting sick and the whole tour having to be shut down. And unfortunately that's just like not a risk. We, we really want to run. And it's not even like the getting sick factor because Mike's been sick before and he's still gone on stage and performed, you know, even if he had to get like an IV that day or take a ton of medication just to get himself on stage and to perform, it's not even about getting sick. It's just about all the regulations and mandates that are happening right now. And the last thing we want is to, you know, take three years off and come back with this huge tour and him get sick in the first couple of days and we just have to shut the whole thing down. So that's the, that's the thing we're facing right now. And if it's up to us, you know, we'd, we'd do the meet and greets, uh, and we would meet as many of you as possible. So we're playing it by ear and, you know, let's hope it, let's hope it works out.
0: I love it, man. Well, I, I'm so grateful. We had the opportunity to connect today and, um, I'm really, I'm really excited to see you guys in Boston. Hopefully we can connect in a uh, Boston bar when you guys, when you guys come to mass.
1: Yeah, dude, I, we were, we actually went to the show's going to be at this place, big night live, which is connected to the TD garden. And after the Celtics game we were at recently, we actually got to go to a concert at TD at, at big night live where we're going to do our concert just to kind of get a taste of the venue and and check it out. And it's a fucking sick venue, man. It's really, really cool. I, I think, uh you know, it's, the fans are going to have a fucking awesome time there and it's this big, beautiful new venue. And, uh, I'm really, I'm really excited to have the concert there and you better believe we're hitting the fucking bars afterwards. I'm hitting every fucking bar, (laughs) (laughs) everyone, every single one.
0: (laughs) I'll definitely be going out. So hopefully we can see each other and, um, really appreciate you taking all the time today and all your insight as well. Really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me on. And honestly, uh, you know, have, have me on any time. I- I'm more than happy to hop on the show whenever.
0: Really appreciate it, man. Well, I hope you guys have a, hope you have a great rest of your day and, um, can't, can't wait to see the tour and keep, keep freaking killing out Y and K inspiring others. Um, and can't, can't wait to see what guests you guys have planned as well.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you very much.